One decaf mocha? Decaf mocha. Can I get you a No, I do not want a biscotti with that. God. How can you stand all these assholes? Some people are okay, but mostly I just feel like poisoning everybody. Well, at least the wheelchair guy is entertaining. He doesn't even need that wheelchair. He's just totally lazy. <laughs> that rules. No, it really doesn't. You'll see. You get totally sick of all the creeps and losers and weirdos. But those are our people. Yeah, well. So when are you going to get a job? Welcome to Generation Lost, the show about movies with Bryn. And Jeremy. And today we are having a guest, is what we are doing, and it is Josiah Hughes. Hello, Josiah. Hey, what's up? How are you today? I'm great. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the show. We did not just talk about Montreal for 15 minutes before this. We're coming in cold. <laughs> yeah, we right. just we met right now. Just Hi, nice other. to meet you. Nice to meet you as well. Uh, I hope we don't talk about music year today. <laughs> no, 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 no. Why would we? Why would we do that? This is a show that is not about music. It's not about music. It's not about gear. Uh, it's, it's not allowed. You're not allowed yeah. to talk about music on this show, even though that's what you talk about on your show. And incidentally, it is actually kind of a big part of uh this movie it's a huge this, part of this, uh, <laughs> That's true. this whole micro genre that we're talking about we're actually not going to talk about music at all in this episode and i will <laughs> i will actually get pretty mad at you if i <laughs> try to talk about fucking music on my movie show <laughs> don't even fucking try don't you dare uh if you're <laughs> if this <laughs> if this is somehow your first uh time you've ever heard this show we are Episode two of a series we are calling The Twee Thousands. The Twee Thousands. <laughs> our uh, two-month exploration into the early 2000s phenomenon of uh, twee indie movies that uh, use that uh, scribbly font for, for <laughs> title cards and yeah, things Yeah, and like have that. a lot of like white backgrounds and <laughs> yeah. people uh, sort of staring off into the distance and talking very stiltedly. Yeah, sad men looking just slightly off camera. Right, uh, but this time we're not talking about men. No. Or hardly at all. At all. And we're actually <laughs> not even talking about the genre itself. We're still talking about... This is kind of the proto. The proto, the predecessors to the genre. Yeah. And uh, but we'll get to that later in the episode. For now, uh, Josiah, what what else have you been watching this week? This week, or uh, just recently? D don't feel pressured to make it this week. <laughs> yeah, you know, you never. We we have to think of something new every week. <laughs> That's true. But you I mean, can say whatever. We talking. You have infinite time before this episode, <laughs> oh really. <my> God. I mean. <laughs> <laughs> I mean uh, we're talking movies only, or uh, or TV, TV, or whatever, or yeah. web or series, YouTubes, or yeah. YouTube, yeah. <laughs> any show, Quibi. anything Quibis. that is a moving image is <laughs> a movie. A Quibi, if you, dude, if you watched a Quibi, please tell me about <laughs> it. And tell me how you did, for that matter. <laughs> I don't think it exists anymore. I mean, I have. I feel like I'm in a bit of an in-between zone with my shows right now. Mm. Uh, mm. My wife and I have lots of like you know our stories because we're old and we just like love to chill at home and watch our stories but i think like whom amongst us i mean mm. obviously i i don't i don't think I, I i feel ashamed to even admit that i'm 
watching the rehearsal out loud because there's just too much discourse about it in every oh, sure, direction. Yeah. So that's kind of something I am also watching the rehearsal. It's very good. At this I point I just watched. I don't want to even yeah, I don't even want to go there. But now Josiah, uh, have you have you been to have you been to our great city? Uh yeah, I have. Yeah, absolutely. Have you been to the alligator uh the alligator bar? I have not. But I also feel so, like I don't want to go to New York because not even because of Nathan Fielder, <laughs> but because I don't want to go back because I feel like John Wilson's gonna film me. And then, oh, yeah, like, yeah. So, yeah, it's like so. Some, I'm in a very, I'm in a very strange like a dumbass, and then it shows me, you know. I, I, I'm in a very strange place right now because John Wilson is my neighbor, and uh, Alligator Bar is a place that I, I didn't know that. Yeah, he lives in my neighborhood. He's around all the time. I see him at brunch. Fucking, I knew constantly. he lived over there. Does he really own that building? Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's okay. his house. Oh my god! Uh, so he's a fucking landlord too. He probably just lives. Uh, there. I don't know if he actually rents it out. I think he might actually just have. Oh wow, uh, that's turned cool. it into one place. Uh, but uh, yeah, so it's weird. Like these two big discoursey shows are like one of them is about a guy who I see around my neighborhood all the time, and the other one is about a bar that I went to about four or five times a week for several years of my life. <laughs> yeah, uh, because it was where one of the better comedy open mics was. Wait, is Alligator Bar even still around? I thought it turned into the Metropolitan. Uh, I don't know about that. Uh, it's in, but, I mean, Alligator I've been in a Bar few years. is in. Uh somewhere in Oregon now in a warehouse somewhere I think <laughs> um, you know the one thing I will say about that that I feel like is kind of a flex kind of a CanCon brag uh, I CanCon CanCon is kind of I forgot I'm not talking to kids that's what we refer to Canadian content as and I'm probably going to be bringing it oh. up again later as well I thought you were going to say this is what Canadians call King Kong CanCon well the phrase comes from like the government actually like forces us to consume Canadian content like mm. on college radio or on TV. There's like actual laws that you have to play a certain amount of sh- yeah, that's a big thing shitty in um, Canadian stuff. Australia too. Um, oh really? Oh my god. Yeah. Uh, but anyways, like you know, there's some sick CanCon too, including I grew up in Vancouver. Uh, uh, you know, on. one of your favorite cities. I know. Mm. I've always thought of it as kind of Long Island if it just went on forever. Because uh, <laughs> <laughs> Long Island City is what I said. Uh, <laughs> kind of a throwback <laughs> for only three people to understand. Um, but uh, <laughs> yeah, I grew up in Vancouver. A lot of my friends, like, that's where I went to shows. That's where I played in bands the most. And uh, some of my friends had this, like, really weird band called the bloggers um and the mm-hmm. bloggers are like a a forgotten secret of 2000s cancon uh to use the our new favorite word um and what they would do <laughs> is it was very like pavementy and i think it was guided by voices but i'm not a guided by voices fan but what they would do is they would record a- every jam session make it up as they went along just have mm-hmm. these meandering long jam sessions and then adam uh, one of the guitarists, I believe, or maybe the bassist, he would then take the recordings of the jam sessions, piece them together, and create these like brilliant little pop songs after. Um, and it's all like hit and miss. Like they had like easily over one thousand songs, uh, and there's like Whoa. they actually released a DVD R of their music. But anyways, Adam from the bloggers, Adam Locke Norton, is actually the mm. editor on both of those shows, and so I think wow. he like he. I've never met him. I know other people from the bloggers, but I feel like he honed his skills as an editor in the band, the bloggers. Uh, yeah, so he edits, sounds like it. You're saying he edits the what shows? He John? edits uh, John Wilson and uh, the rehearsal. So, oh wow, yeah, now, Josiah. Uh, I, I I'm only going to warn you once about this. We are not talking about music on our <laughs> goddamn movie show. <laughs> 
<laughs> so the the movie that I just watched that I loved so much. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh-huh. It's all I know. It's it is unfortunately all I know. I was saying I don't want to talk about gear. As long as we're not talking about amps and stuff, I'll uh-huh. I'm fine with that. But um <laughs> uh the movie I just watched is that I love so much, one of my favorites in a really long time was Irreconcilable Differences. Um, my wife's a huge okay. ET head and always has been. We used the to, movie ET? Yeah, we used to have like like probably, I don't want to know how much money, but we had like a case of like ET collectibles in our house. Um, Are interesting. you fucking serious? Before That's we, horrifying. We, we moved across the country. I know that rules. Don't listen to her. Well, it's s- awesome. I'm so afraid of that. I love to, that. On t- on like what kind of collectibles are we talking about? Like here? she's like, been collecting like she's been collecting since, since like, she the movie was a child. Came out. Yeah. So yeah. it was like everything you can think of in bootleg Dude, stuff. And like we had like a life size ET doll, but we moved oh, across wow. the country. And wait, so what happened to it? Well, all? like, so I don't like it. Also to, to clarify, I also had a similarly sized, similarly ridiculous, like mad magazine collection. Oh, I thought um, you were going to say also ET collection. That's how you <laughs> yeah. That's how we met at a, at a fair. Uh, no, like <laughs> we both just had like so much shit. Uh, mm-hmm. and then when we moved across the country, a few years ago, we decided just to move in suitcases. So we sold everything and we had like wow. the saddest garage sale that in, I feel like in any other city would have been like, we could have like turned it into like a, a collectible store, but in, right. in Calgary, Alberta, like no one really cared. So we just ended yeah. up donating most of it. Honestly, it was it's a sad. thing you see a lot around here at like vintage stores where there'll just be like, um, just like a corner of the store. That's all like uh, the, the one near me has a corner. That's all Lucille ball stuff. And it's mm-hmm. just like it's very clearly somebody who just like collected Lucille Ball shit, either died or gave it away, and yeah, <laughs> exactly, just trying to get rid of it, exactly. Um, but anyway, so it's the ET 40th anniversary this year, and uh, we were like at the airport recently because we just went on a trip to Iceland, which was incredible. Uh, yeah, and we're like waiting to come home because the airport's taking forever, and so we've got this like. I think it was People Magazine or Time or something, like a history of E.T. And it was talking about like Drew Barrymore's career. And we're like, oh, Irreconcilable Differences. Never seen this. And it's like Drew Barrymore's next movie when she was just slightly Mm. older. And I think the story about Drew Barrymore is like at that time when she was like seven, she was already like addicted to cocaine or something. Like she's (laughs) – I'm not even joking. It's like she like had like a crazy tragic – like childhood that where people were just oh like, my God. here you go, you're a movie star now, do all this yeah, stuff. You know, this is, this is what you do when you're in the movies. It's crazy, but anyway, put it in your chocolate milk, I guess. So, I don't know. So like <laughs> that happening to her in real life, the plot of the movie probably should have happened to her. This is a movie about Drew Barrymore's character deciding to divorce her parents and emancipate from her parents. Okay. Um, yeah, which happened to her at 14. She was successfully emancipated from her parents at 14. Oh, there you go. Oh, my God. In real life. And she went to rehab at 13. And that's like a... Don't be impressed by this. Bryn has the Wikipedia page <laughs> yeah, pulled up. I was going <laughs> to... I'm not showing off to the listener. You could have. You could you see what I I would have got along with it. I would have given you that. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, I'm just a big Barrymore head, actually. <laughs> well, she wrote... She, I think we have it. Uh, we have like a biography book that, that's like totally out of print that she wrote when she was like 14 or something. No, she has one when she was like 14 too. Oh really? I mean, Drew Barrymore is so cool. I could talk about her all day. She's like, she's, (laughs) she's thriving right now. Her videos that she posts. 
But anyways, yeah, didn't she have like a talk show for it? She still there? does. Oh, she. Oh, she does. She's building an empire. It didn't uh, get fucking. Uh, it didn't get massacred in the HBO Max. <laughs> no, it didn't. Uh, anyways, this movie is barely about that. It's like an interesting concept, but it's mostly like a Shelley Long romantic comedy, and it has okay. like major Albert Brooks vibes. And apparently, it's actually barely separated from the true story of Peter Bogdanovich and his wife and like their tragic. Oh, really? So it's about Wait, like a who? filmmaker, an arrogant filmmaker and his wife and how he cheats on her and all this, all the fighting they have. It's just like a Hollywood story and it's so funny. And I think, I don't know if it's because it was like marketed as this child divorcing from her parents movie or what, but it seems to have really bad reviews everywhere, but I loved it huh. so much. So yeah, that's my favorite. Irreconcilable Differences. Check it out. <laughs> nice new favorite movie yeah i'll check i'll check it out i love a weird like forgotten mm-hmm. middle of the road movie. yeah i love that kind of that's shit. my favorite that's shit. my favorite thing uh bryn uh did you get to see uh did you get to see nope i did i found so last week josiah i told us sad story about going to see nope and it being a bad experience because i like the screening was all fucked up oh um and then the day after that, I just was really in the mood to like watch a movie, like a weird one. So I went to S- the Spectacle, which is a very small 27 seat, uh, like volunteer run theater. And I saw a movie called Mika Droid, which is a 1980s Japanese slasher film about a robot who's killing teenagers in nice. a, in the basement of in like a parking garage. And then it ends up being like a weird war commentary where they were like making super soldiers and it turned out that's one of them and then these like immortal his his immortal friends are coming after him to to kill him mm-hmm. it's awesome it was really cool um but then i went and saw nope at bam which was annoying because uh it was the only you saw it at bam bam the- cinema what the fuck i know i wanted to see <laughs> so it was like okay just i know you're, you're not looped in on this but bryn texted me and said, do you want to go see Nope? And I said, yes, I do. And she said, the only places it's playing are, are uptown Manhattan, <laughs> which would have been a fucking goddamn hour to get to. Yeah. And I said, no, I've put my son to bed. I'm not going a fucking hour uptown <laughs> to, go, to go see Nope. Right. So, no, I'm not going to go see it. You should just go see it. Right. And then he went to fucking Bam, well, which th- is way closer no. to us. And then that night I went to Spectacle to see <laughs> to see Mika Droid. And then on the weekend, my friends all were going to see it. And you mm-hmm. were in Long Island. So, yeah. it didn't matter. All right. On the weekend, I went and saw <laughs> Nope at a regular theater, unfortunately. I couldn't convince anyone to go with me all the way up there. Yeah. So I was like, All how right. could you? It's so far. It's not that far. <laughs> anyway, so I went. Some of us have kids to put to bed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not me. Uh, so, yeah, I went and saw it at a regular theater, which was good. The screening was good. Um, but they, they were like, everyone has to wear masks. Mm. And I was like, it's a packed theater. Who cares? Also, they were selling concessions. So everyone is eating popcorn anyway. Right. So it was really annoying. Um, but uh, besides that, it's okay. Yeah, <laughs> it it was it was an interesting movie. I don't want to spoil it because it's so new. Mm-hmm. It is pretty wild what happens in the movie. Um, it ends up being a really weird sort of meta commentary about the human or like this sort of societal inclination to exploit tragedy. Mm-hmm. Um, so there is like a UFO that's happening. Okay. Um. But what it's sort of about is like 
bad things also have happened and like there's it's sort of tying it into like animal it's like trying to um capture animals that have like like you can't use chimpanzees anymore in movies apparently okay uh because like there's a kid who like experienced a monkey just going crazy and killing a bunch of people on set. Mm. And so it's like trying to tie that Is into... Is that scene funny or, or... No, it's really intense. It's like mm. probably one of the best scenes in the movie. Interesting. Um, and uh, so it... I would it, expect it to be funny. It's yeah. hard. <laughs> it's gonna, you, you would think, does right? Does the chimp smoke a cigarette? Or... <laughs> no. He does, but it's really sad. You feel <laughs> yeah, bad for him. It's just like... Fuck, He's man, like coughing and you're like, oh man, yeah. this is actually fucked it's up. Coughing up blood. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but it's a weird movie. It ends up feeling like he's sort of grappling with the idea of making, like becoming very famous off of making horror movies about like real violence, racial violence. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? But as a movie, I think it kind of, it lacks in some, some specific ways that his movies often lack, which I think is like the characters not being that deep. Yeah. Uh, like their their connections with each other being sort of surface level and then like a lot of it is metaphor and you kind of get like I think us really succeeds because it's a horror movie and it's scary and you don't really need people to be like anything but avatars. The problem with this movie is that it's not scary. Right. There's some tense stuff in it. But did you see this movie, Josiah? I haven't seen it yet. I've just I kind of was away when it went out and then. I kind of feel like if I maybe it's because I used to like review movies for a job. Now I feel oh, like really? if I don't see a movie before it comes out, that I need to like see it way after because I just I'm so burnt. Like I've already said it, I don't want to have <laughs> conversations where like when it. I just I don't know hype. Just like it's too hard for me. I just try to skip yeah. the hype. I need to skip it somehow. Um, yeah, I, I feel that I felt that way specifically uh, about Midsummer. Mm-hmm. Midsommar was a movie that just was like eaten up by people having the dumbest opinions about it <laughs> and like just having a conversation that didn't exist in the movie it was like did you watch a different movie right uh I was just thinking about that I was talking a bit with someone today but that happens where it's just like does it have to be anything but a movie yeah. does it have to be a, like this conversation about society or whatever right um I think nope really succeeds as like a fun basically jaws like they're trying to get this thing on tape and mm-hmm. they, there's a lot of limitations to that and they're like making up a cool plan and using weird technology to do it um and there it just the jaws works because it's very tense and like at a certain point the movie stops being really that tense um and just sorts sorts of it's kind of this fun romp, but then it's like has the tone of a horror movie. It's weird. Yeah, it's a weird movie, and I think it 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 also suffers from being, like I said, the characters are sort of a little bit a little bit thin, and then I don't know what their arc is supposed to be. So, it's okay. It's not better than us. It's not better than Get Art, but it's not bad. It's it's just an okay, interesting. It's definitely worth seeing. Yeah, for sure. It's super interesting. But I think probably his weakest entry. All right. Unfortunately. Damn. What did you see? 
Thank you for asking. You're uh, welcome. As part of our uh, exploration of the Twee Thousands, I have done the uh, the additional reading this week, and I watched uh, Igby Goes Down. Oh. <laughs> which we, we believe to be another proto um, uh, contender uh, entry into the, the, the story. I I think... Um, uh, the 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 connection is tenuous, and I think that we were smarter to have gone with Ghost World for this week. Uh, so I watched Igby Goes Down, which uh, is is a film about um, Ki- is it Kieran Culkin? Is it uh, it's one of the Culkins? It's one, it's Kieran. It's it's one of the Culkins that's not directed Macaulay. by Burr Steers. Uh, yeah, it's Kieran Culkin, and he plays a little prep school boy. His brother is uh, you got the Wikipedia right? Don't... Yeah. Uh, <laughs> what's his name? It's the guy from. Uh, he's in like uh, uh, antitrust. Ryan Felipe. Ryan Felipe. Uh, his, his older brother is Ryan Felipe. Uh, and and Igby is uh, is like a little troublemaker. He's a little piece of shit. He keeps getting kicked out of schools and stuff. And then uh, his family is trying to figure out what to do with him. They send him to military school. He gets kicked out of there. He goes on the run. Uh, he disappears to New York City. His uh, godfather is Jeff Goldblum. He's a little piece of shit too. So he's rich. He's, he's like a rich very kid. rich. Yeah, he's very very rich. Uh, and uh, the you know his his money situation is never really in question. Everybody's just kind of like he's old money. He's old money. He, he there's all sorts of uh, options on the table for him. He it's just about like teen rebellion. He like runs away to New York to live with artists and whatever. But like anytime he needs money, like Jeff Goldblum just like bails him out, and he like starts selling heroin at some point, just seemingly for like something to do. Like it's <laughs> it's an interesting movie because it's like. I, I, I think that a lot of times there will be these uh, Twitter struggle sessions around like classic literature where people will say things like Catcher in the Rye is about like a white boy's white boy problems or whatever. <laughs> and I really, honest okay. to God, think that when people say that, that they're really just thinking about this movie. Like, I think people <laughs> don't remember Catcher in the Rye very well. And they're uh-huh. just kind of like, oh, yeah, it's like Igby goes down. <laughs> <laughs> so this movie is just like sad white boy being a sad white boy and yeah i mean like sure his family is kind of mean to him like that's really all that he has a negative for him like people are mean to him this this Um, genre that you're talking about i feel like these lesser ones of the genre of tweet thousands movies are often like that where it's just like yeah my family's so fucked up but it's like it seems like it's written by someone who's family isn't fucked up and they're trying to like exactly you know they're overdoing it (laughs) so much but i just looked at the director i think i saw igby goes down but i don't remember it at all but the director i definitely haven't the director's next movie is definitely one of my favorites of some sort of other (laughs) incredible subgenre that is not uh tweet thousand but he also directed 17 again which i was on the Mm. zach efron train way early of rehabilitation that movie is so fun i love it i love that movie (laughs) uh i yeah so i think ultimately it's a huge mess it's a very messy movie it's very hard to follow a lot of the time you're like why is he here now like what's going (laughs) on why like what's happening with his family does it matter his mom is like too mean to him and so she's dying of breast cancer and he won't go see her and like it's the thing is something that we identified last week and i think we're going to be talking about a lot this week as well is like this kind of ongoing theme of like human connection and like trying to strive for connection in an alienating world 
And right. Igby Goes Down is kind of the opposite of this, where it is an alienating world that he lives in, but he's like trying to further alienate himself. He's actively pushing <laughs> everybody away from him. Like all of his love interests, he pushes away. All of his, his family, he pushes away. And the end of it, the resolution is he's just like, I'm going to California. Fuck off. And like, that's the end. <laughs> <laughs> so to, what about Amanda Pete? The sort of the this like when he goes in her performance artist friends yeah yeah, yeah. Like, so he has like he has a couple of love interests throughout the movie one of them is a is a heroin addict and he just like leaves her like semi ODing in a bathtub what and then the other one he like fucks for a little while and then she starts fucking his brother and she's like and he's like all right well fuck you then I don't like you see you later yeah I actually hate you now uh, I hate you and I hate my brother <laughs> and I'm leaving and and at the end of it is that like his mom is like dying of breast cancer and she decides to kill herself. So he goes with his brother to like give her poison yogurt so that she dies. Uh, and then once she dies, he's like, all right, well, you know, see you later. You, you figure out what to do with her body. See, <laughs> see you. I'm going to California. What's the point of this movie? I, I'm really not sure. I'm not sure what I'm supposed to have taken away from it, except like, damn, like it is hard to have a mean family. You think this? Because <laughs> that's really what it's about. Does this movie predate? garden state it does i was gonna say yes yeah, yeah, I, yeah i was gonna say i wonder if so many of these movies were greenlit because of garden state but i guess no well i think they were bubbling in the up later end so when we were initially conceptualizing this project we were just kind of listing every one of them everyone that kind of fell into this genre and you can see a very distinct like bulge in the middle For of sure. this decade right after garden state it gets like really, really fat, and there's a million of them, and you're like, oh, we gotta, we gotta start paring this down, <laughs> you know? Like, we gotta make some distinct choices here. These early ones are kind of ones that we're seeing as more of like, like feeding pieces into this genre that will kind of really be birthed by Garden State, right? Um, solidified, I'd say. Solidified, yeah, not birthed. Uh, but in any event, like. Uh, Igby Goes Down, I think, is 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 very different from these, but there are some similarities. There's, like, aesthetic things that are happening, you know, like Autumn in New York, I feel like, is a very, mm-hmm. like, this sort of genre uh, uh, setting. I think um, the soundtrack is very much of this ilk. In fact, it even has a song in it from the Garden State soundtrack. Really? Which one? Uh, Cold Plays Don't Panic. Oh, I love that song. Good song. Too short. <laughs> Too short. It's a little short. Uh, and uh, otherwise, I think it's it's I don't know it, it 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 it's a little kind of like on the periphery of this genre. I feel looks like Beta Band is on the soundtrack too. That's that oh seems God, a little I... try hard post High Fidelity. <laughs> Come on, <laughs> yeah. What is High Fidelity? Like 1998? I think it's 2000. I'm think oh, I googled you, it. Like... I don't know either. I Google everything too. I'm just gonna be honest. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the year 2000. You're lucky I'm not on that side of the screen. <laughs> <laughs> I believe it's right. four ninety nine on YouTube to watch. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, speaking of uh, you know what we're doing, let's talk about the fucking ghost world. <laughs> this week, the feature presentation, as we like to say, uh, is Ghost World, directed by Terry Zweigoff uh, from two thousand one, a little before Royal Tenenbaums, which is what we did last week. Um, and Royal Tenenbaums felt like a very, it, it, it made me feel like a lot of what comes after this 
was because they're talking about people that were high class, mm-hmm. sort of stilted and, and emotionally blunted because they kind of grew up in a stuffy society. And then this one is interesting because it's a different type of stilted. Yeah. Uh, it doesn't feel the same way. And they're not high class. They're very, maybe not exactly low, but yeah, they're middle low, class. low they're middle. Middle you know? class people, yeah. They live in apartments in what should feel like the suburbs. I don't, do you know, I couldn't figure out where this is supposed to be. I know they shot it in like outside of LA. Yeah, so I read that the, the comic, I guess, takes place in LA, but it feels like this isn't supposed to be LA. It feels like this is supposed to be somewhere like, like, uh, I don't know, like Portland like it, or something. It like feels like it could be anywhere. Yeah, but it, it's it's distinctly not a big city. It's almost it's, it's almost like it like. takes place in like some sort of a ghost world. I would say. <laughs> no, no, that can't be right. <laughs> clip that. <laughs> Make sure you clip that. That is mine. <laughs> uh, but this movie is starring Thora Birch and uh, Scarlett Johansson in one of her first roles, I believe. Mm-hmm. That um, I think it is her first. Yeah. Um, it is also staring Steve Buscemi, uh, a couple other Bob cameos Balaban, you see around, uh, um, David Cross, David Cross is in it. Uh, and it's, uh, Derry, uh, Daniel Klaus's first, uh, like adaptation. Mm-hmm. Daniel Klaus is a comic book artist who did ghost world most famously, but article confidential and eight ball and all kinds of like a glove, like a velvet glove cast in iron. Um, great guy. Read those books. They're awesome. Um, so I guess the story of this is basically Thor Birch uh, plays Enid and Scarlett Johansson is Rebecca or Becca. Um, and they are just high school graduates, kids who just graduated high school and are sort of like, I don't know, a very specific type of high schooler. Mm-hmm. They're basically like girl beavis and butthead. <laughs> where they're just like calling everything retarded and being like, we hate everybody and everything yeah. is lame and and yeah, nothing is cool to them except for themselves, but even themselves aren't really cool. They can't like, like take themselves seriously enough to really think they're cool, but like they, they know are, everyone else isn't. They are like irony poisoned before that term existed, but that's very much what they are. Like yeah. everything to them is to be enjoyed ironically or not at all. Um and, and it feels like because well, what happens is is that uh Becca is sort of just like, Okay, now we're gonna go somewhere we're not going to go to school we're going to live together and get jobs and stuff and that's what our life plans are but then uh enid's technically doesn't get to graduate because she failed art class which is funny because she's a good at drawing type of lady um (laughs) and then a good at drawing type of lady (laughs) you know one of those um a classic (laughs) and uh so she has to take art class over the summer to get a degree to get her high school diploma um, and she's kind of like, she seems like she's kind of like slowly trying to uh, fade away from the idea of moving in with Scarlett Johansson. Um, also kind of just like generally uncomfortable with this transition from childhood to adulthood and just kind of in a weird space mentally. And they uh, they come across a personal ad that Steve Buscemi's put in the paper where he's like, hey, missed connection before misconnections existed. Right. And uh, <laughs> I'm Steve Buscemi. My eyes are weird. And and uh, they, they answer it and they're like, what's up, sexy? I'm the fucking person you saw. <laughs> and then they they, uh, they don't actually uh, uh, go talk to him. They, they prank him. They prank him really bad and it's really mean. And uh, then she ends up 
seeing him again, Enid goes and sees him again, and they become friends, and she tries to kind of, like, queer-eye his life and, like, make him, uh, you know, a swinging bachelor. And then it works, and uh, he gets a date, and then... Uh, with uh, the lady he saw. With the lady he initially saw, and then she gets jealous and pissed off and ruins his entire goddamn life. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, and then... Uh, uh, then probably kills herself, it seems like, is the metaphor at the end there. <laughs> I never thought that, and and, and neither does Terry's Wygoff, but mm. a lot that's, of people do Really? That. That's a thing? A I mean, I thought that's what it was. Yeah, the, you got this old man waiting on this bus, and then uh, and then she waits on the bus, and then, I don't know, what yeah, else I is think it, it's a very This whole thing is about her being so, like, uncomfortable with this transition and unable to fit into either side of her life, and... and at the end, she takes an old-timey bus off into nowhere, you know? Yeah, no, it's totally a reasonable thing, and, and apparently Thora Birch thinks that, too. Wow. Um, but uh, Talk about a ghost world. <laughs> <laughs> That's where the bus is going. <laughs> Last stop, ghost world. Ma'am, this bus goes to the ghost world. Are you sure that's where you're trying to go? <laughs> Oh, fuck, yes. it's the last stop before Ghost World is where I'm getting off, but I <laughs> fell asleep. I was trying to go to Zombie World. <laughs> oh, fuck. There's no, there's no train the other direction. This sucks. Uh, but yeah, uh, I That's the main plot. That's the main plot. I think, I thought really what was, cause did you see this movie when you were a kid? I so I thought I did. I was really certain I did. I watched it this week, and I immediately became aware that I did not see this. Oh, interesting! Um, I just have seen the the picture a million times. The and poster, I've, and I've known this woman a million times, and and what just like the character? Yeah, like and I've known Enid girls my whole goddamn <laughs> life, and well, hey, <laughs> and, and um, so I think I kind of just like assumed that I'd seen it at some point. Uh, and just forgotten it because I'm, you know, I'm old and I've seen a lot of things. Yeah. Uh, and and I watched this and I immediately was like, I've never fucking seen this movie. Uh, <laughs> Josiah, do you seen it? So I think I saw it forever ago, and mm-hmm. I like probably in the early 2000s, and I I remember not liking it, but I don't. I also couldn't remember most of the details. But then, like okay. since moving to Montreal, just by the sheer fact that I live like two steps away, well, you know two minute walk away from the drawn and quarterly store. I finally have, I've always wanted oh. to get into like reading underground comics and I'm finally starting to like catch up on the decades of mm. stuff I miss. So in the last year only I've read all of eight ball front to back. Oh, and nice. um, that's been interesting alone because I'm really at a point where like I'm realizing how gross and lame I think so much Gen X stuff is. And so I'm really oh, wrestling sure, with yeah. that. So that's kind of been a, that it was an interesting time to read it for the first time. And then I was like, mm-hmm. well, I should watch the movie. And then I was like, oh my God, the movie's amazing. And then I watched it again last night. So I've seen it, I think three times now. Um, and I think I love it more every time I watch it, honestly, but it con- contrasting it with the ghost world in the comic strip. Like I, to me, this movie is about, Enid realizing what she just doesn't know what she wants. And then she finally, to me, I read it as like, she just wants to leave this town and try something mm. new, but it was just the, yeah. the growing pains of like not really being in touch with what you actually want and then figuring it out. Um, but yeah. to me in the comic strip, there's like no growth at all. Like it, the comics are just like, they make him seem <laughs> yeah. like, su- like I, 
like I think Daniel Klaus is sick, but I also think he seems like such a prick just from reading his comics. I'm just like, this guy sucks. So he seems like such an asshole, but that's fine. I mean, he's he has talented. a really he has a really cynical view on well, at least in his comics, like what comes across as someone who is very cynical and a little nihilistic about things. But I think the movie for me, I, 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 I watched this movie a lot growing mm -hmm. up. Um, I, it's really interesting because or it was really interesting for me watching it again after the f for like for the first time in probably I don't know 10 15 years um, because my perception of it really changed because as a teenager I felt like I related to this person um, and I never liked the ending because mm. it just felt like I didn't really see it as enough of like oh she kills herself she's like i just i felt i felt like my feeling was why don't you just do something right like i related to like not being able to connect with people and feeling like everything around you was sort of fake and bullshit <laughs> um because i think enid in this movie is correct like what she's experiencing is that the only option you have is to monetize your drawing mm -hmm. or like work for somebody yeah and get a regular job and get an apartment and enter into this like contract with you know capital and be miserable for the rest of your life and she like recognizes that that's a problem and is gravitating to anyone who seems even remotely outside of it mm -hmm. um but she doesn't like know that because she's a teenager and i didn't know that either as a teenager you know i was just like well what do you do and i'm like you got to do something better than this like for me when I watched it, it felt like, well, this movie doesn't have any answers. Right. And so I was frustrated right. with it. I watched it a lot because I liked the aesthetics and mm -hmm. I liked it was funny and, and cute. Yeah. I mean, that was my feeling in this, too, is that it's like one of the frustrating things in this movie for me was that it's yeah, it, 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 it presents no answers and it presents like it, it, it presents a view of the world that I find really repulsive uh, <laughs> where like. Enid is like Enid is this kind of like you know like grumpy you know uh, 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 what do you call it uh, the, the misanthropic sort yeah. of freak who's just like you know I I hate everybody I hate everything everything is 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 you know uh, not cool enough for me uh, unless it's you know something that I can laugh at from my perch of being like smarter and more tasteful mm -hmm. but then like I don't know I I I'm watching it and I'm like. I'm I'm an adult. I'm an adult man watching this, uh, you know, a child be like this. And I'm like, oh, I recognize myself in this. I right. saw I was like that. And so I'm kind of like a little bit laughing at her. And I'm a little bit like, you know, you, you, you know, you think you know the world, but you're you're a child. Mm -hmm. But then the movie constantly sets up these situations where you're you're like, oh, but Enid is is right. <laughs> Like sort of. I, I don't know. Like, what does the what what does the filmmaker think is is going on here? Does the filmmaker think Enid is cool? Like no, no. I mean, I, I think I think there's enough where where I think there's enough here where she is just like a child trying stuff out and then getting like roasted for it. Like yeah. when she like dresses with, like the yeah, punk the, and the whatever. Punk stuff. Yes. And but then, I'm like, thinking of like when they're at like... the like blues bar and the the really stupid blues band is playing and it's very funny. It's a funny scene, <laughs> but you're like you're like. 
you're making the world so cartoonish around her and so stupid that like it kind of feels like you're you're trying to communicate to us that like Enid is right, the world is stupid. <laughs> but it, <laughs> but it, it is. But she is. It, it is. is. <laughs> like I, yeah. I I think I don't think that that movie that part or really anything about like the world around her is cartoonish. Like it feels very much like living in a shitty town in the early 2000s. Mm-hmm. Like everyone is exactly like that. Like it, it everyone has no other nothing to say except like go to the bar and like you know have a fun time or just like get a job or do something you know like there isn't another option and i feel like i feel like the movie is hopeless because that's kind of how it felt at the time well (laughs) and i think it's hopeless only if if you are in it like and i think that's why it resonates with so many people because you grow up feeling like i'm exactly like this like you're either the kind of person who is like happy to just live in your town forever and then buy a, you know, ready-made house and start your family and start Mm -hmm. grilling. Or you do feel like, you know, like the cliches of being a teen where you're like, I need to get out of this fucking town. I need to go see what's Mm -hmm. out there. Like Mm -hmm. that's so relatable. But what I thought was really impactful that I didn't really notice until I had watched it multiple times is like, Enid actually does have a lot of empathy for Seymour. Like she kind of immediately regrets the prank and then, the yeah. way that she draws him is so like touching when she's like, you know, you didn't look at the whole book. So it's like, I think she still does empathy, have empathy and humanity. It's just that she's just in the wrong surroundings for most of her life. And that, and once and she th- finds it, you know, like there, she is, if she's not dead living in the ghost world, maybe she will just become like a weird <laughs> discogs freak. Like all those other people. <laughs> yeah. yeah but, well, that's the thing is like watching this movie at 35, it made me feel like there's a real roughness, I think, to the ending. Because it's like, even if you are saying she's not dead, like, she's still gonna grow up somewhere and then just, like, feel guilty that she was so mean to her dad mm-hmm. who, like, does nothing to her but care for her. And then she's, like, gonna be estranged from that person and then hate everybody in that town and feel right. bad going back to see him and stuff. So it's like... It's still not a very happy ending, but it's like that's kind of it's not like there's 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 no other town that isn't touched by the alienation of. Capital. Yeah, I was going to say there's nowhere that she can go where like the things that she's frustrated with in Becca are are present everywhere. There's nowhere that you're going to go that you're not going to be like, oh, shit, wait, I still have to get a job and, and pay for an apartment. Fuck. Right. You know, it's like it's I, I, I hate to bring up twitter people again in this episode but it's like (laughs) it's there will always be like every couple of weeks there'll be like a a really super viral post where it's somebody saying something along the lines of like uh like wait so we just like work 40 hours a week and like that's it for life and like that's that's all there is and whatever like and it'll be like a viral post of just somebody like stating it very bluntly like wait we have to work and pay and like i didn't ask to be born and whatever like (laughs) it's just this like weird thing that people do where they're like they're, they're they're I don't like there's there's no economic system in which you don't work and have an apartment. You know, even communism, like you 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 work, <laughs> you have to work, you have to do stuff. Well, like, sure, but I don't. There's think... no way that we maintain society without people doing stuff. And 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 it seems like Enid at times it's just kind of like, what do you what do you want? Do you want to be like encased in resin and just kind of like <laughs> float along like Han Solo? Like, what do you fucking want? I I think the parts the, to me that sort of were the most. Uh, were the most touching on that was like when she's in art class Mm. and like this thing that 
is the only thing she really seems to like naturally care about and is good at is drawing but like she wants to do it in a in an expressive way to like sort of figure stuff out talk to people like communicate what she sees and what she's interested in um and then having to fit that it, i thought they did a really good job of showing up like how even at that level in high school you're sort of pressured to put it in some sort of like saleable package yeah of like well it has to be shocking it has to be political and yeah, what but does the it politics mean? have what to be say mm -hmm. about the world but it has to be what i want you to say it has to be interesting and about feminism or i like, think you I, know whatever to me it's the most classic gen x thing with so many layers of irony even being in this movie for not only the character Enid, but the director and Daniel Klaus, all these layers of white people commenting on like racist black caricatures. Yeah. It's like, yeah. it's like an Ouroboros of like terrible Gen X, uh, giving myself permission to say the N word because I'm making a point kind of vibe, mm -hmm. uh, which is like, that was the part that really stood out to me. But then it's also like, seems to be commenting on how stupid and lazy that is too. Like, I kind of feel like all, all yeah. these issues with the movie, there's so much nuance that it's like none of these things to me present themselves as problems or like uh, yeah. hangups because there's so, even um, Brynn, you mentioned earlier, she's going to feel guilty for how she treated her dad. I even noticed with my rewatch, he's like, he sees that she's weeping in bed and he's like, are you okay right now? Cause by the way, you know, the woman they hate, like yeah, he's yeah. very actually like kind of sneaky with his manipulation on her too. So yeah. it's kind of like, I don't know. There's just such subtlety to it that you can really take so much from it. Yeah. And I mean, these things that I'm saying about her character in particular, like I think that some of, some of these things, they're, they're frustrations with her character and their frustrations with the story. But I think they are also kind of things that make this better, you know, like she is a complex and, and difficult character. She is like hard to really like, she's not perfect she's not good even sometimes like right. she's right. but that makes her a more compelling it's almost like me, it's feel. almost like it's all, it's a movie about like the problems that come with being alt or being counterculture or something like all mm -hmm. these impossible things to rectify like you are gonna have to Absolutely. work and everyone is a fucking idiot but you're gonna have to like yeah you're either going to have to die or deal with yeah. that. You know, those are your two options you know and and I feel like so much of what what she's looking for in the world and what she ends up clinging to are these like pieces of sincerity, like little scraps of paper flying yeah. in the wind that she just kind of like tries to like grab at. And she's like, Seymour likes old jazz records. Maybe that's something real. <laughs> he honestly likes it. That's I mean, but that that's what I love about this movie is that it, it that's for me, at least like something that feels so much like being a teenager mm -hmm. as just like it's a specific type of being a teenager right like it's the kind of teenager we probably were right yeah i definitely was but like i think more people are like even if they are that way as a teenager they end up being scarlett johansson just like pretty quickly being like oh i see what happens like i have to i have to do some things and i'm gonna do the bare minimum to like get by and yeah. then i'll just like go along to get along mm -hmm. i feel bad for her character in some ways because i feel like she kind of got a little shafted at the end where they're just like hey look at her she's excited about a fucking ironing board this <laughs> dumb bitch you <laughs> i know? would be excited <laughs> like, about that too that was cool i thought it was funny <laughs> that was a funny little and she scene. had a cool carpet like, in her uh... but I, I i i sympathize with her character a lot because i'm like yeah like you do have to figure it out at some point. You do have to figure out how you're going to live 
because you only get the one time. You know, there's no like fucking hit reset. You know, <laughs> like you've got to fucking figure out what you're gonna do. You know, and, and ScarJo kind of does. Yeah, but I, I think I you do have to live. But like, I think what's frustrating as a teenager is that you don't understand why you have to do that, mm. and it feels like there should be some other way to yes you to do something that isn't so depraved like mm. when she does get a job at the movie theater it's like she's like i don't want to be a sleaze and like behave like immorally and she right. has like some level of like morals obviously she fucks up a lot <laughs> but like you know I, there's a certain sense that she has it's just like i don't want to be gross and sleazy to people and she can't bring herself to do anything that like is like that and i i really feel that like it was really hard for me to like work at in service mm -hmm. for as long as i did and i was constantly being fired for that shit like this yeah <laughs> so i sure. like i i definitely like i relate to that and i think what's what's frustrating is is that no one is telling you yes corporations and companies are bad like it seems like now if you're a kid everyone understands that the shit you have to do to survive sucks mm. And in 2001, nobody would, would have told you that. She's like, this is how the world works, and that's good. Right. And, and yeah. I feel like that extra wrinkle of, like, the entire society around you being like, you're fucked up for thinking this is fucked up, uh, is so crazy-making Yeah. that it makes me feel worse for her. It's interesting. It's like um, it's it's a perspective on end of history stuff that you don't really see a lot in movies where like we see so much of like the person who's attained the office job and middle class lifestyle right. getting to the point of being like, but was this all there was, you know, but we don't really see a lot of like the teenager who's staring down the barrel of that saying like, wait, is that all there is? Right. Is there another like, is there any other path? Is there anything else I can do? <laughs> right. I remember when I was in college, I found out about a uh, guy to board. Mm -hmm. um, and he has a painting that says abolish alienated work. Mm -hmm. um, and I remember like asking my teacher being like, what is alienated work? And him explaining to me like basically Marxism <laughs> and like, you know, when you're laboring for somebody else and just being like, I like I remember that day having like some sort of like snap in my head and be like that's what I hate mm. I don't hate working like I hate feeling like I have no control or you know and like right. there's this thing that happened all through the 2000s where like a ton of these kids like recognized some flaw in the system and like couldn't explain it wasn't allowed mm. uh, and Enid hopefully does eventually <laughs> maybe she'll be a podcaster <laughs> maybe <laughs> along those lines uh, I noticed in my rewatch basically there's that that photo of like the rest stop on twitter that always goes viral like every two days i know and oh that's my God, basically I that in too. the movie like there's a shot <laughs> and also like for some reason i love i love going on road trips and i love going to america because i'm canadian so to me all of these shots just look exciting to try all the different mm. various fried doughs and whatnot that are uh, for sale but but yeah that shot's basically in the movie and then also did you notice that their graduation the banner was sponsored by um, Tropicana and Dunkin' Donuts. Uh, that I was a really hilarious that. detail that I noticed. That's very yeah. funny. <laughs> <laughs> that shot was the reason, like, I paused the movie and I was like, wait, where is this taking place? Yeah. Because I grew up in Los Angeles. 
Um, and there's not really any place in Los Angeles that looks like that. Mm-hmm. And you could, there's no palm trees in that shot. And there's no like, palm trees anywhere in the, in the movie. Yeah. So, because they shot it like up, like mm. outside of LA. So it's just like shitty nowhere, California. Mm-hmm. So it feels kind of like it could be, could be California, but it also could be like South Dakota. Right. Um, which I really like about this. It, it, feels like it could be any small town that's not clearly the the northeast you mm. know <laughs> i mean that having said that they have an entire store dedicated to zines in their town did that right, exist yeah. anywhere it's certainly not in canada zine it's called zineophobia what's the name of the store that's a terrible name for a store <laughs> but uh i feel like there's certain like certain small towns that'll have like places like that especially in the early yeah, I mean, you'd have a place that would have like it wouldn't be only yeah, it'd zines. be like a That's they'd crazy, have like a but zine like rack. it'd be like records yeah. and stuff. Yeah, they have a full on like, zineophobia store. But there is a, I mean, there's like Blue Stockings here in New York has like a pretty extensive zine area. Right. But we're New York. But we're New York. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, I think back then, like I, I feel like zines, like fanzines, were pretty huge in the '90s. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, again, I don't think there was ever a whole store for them, but. Uh, I could be wrong. No, that that was clearly, I think, a reference to like a uh, like an indie comic book store, yeah, for sure. Uh, record slash record store, just like the place. And I liked. It's funny. The only time you see that is her like basically getting kicked out of it. Like she can't even hang out there because <laughs> right. every all of the guys are assholes. Um, and that's a that's an interesting thing about this movie is um, the way it deals with. Uh, I guess like sexual harassment and like Mm -hmm. abuse is like very subliminal and like on the periphery like usually in a movie about teenage girls you'd have like some specific scene where like they deal with somebody being creepy to them Mm -hmm. but it's kind of like always happening and they're kind of always aware of it Mm. but it like is never a scene it's just like something that they're kind of just used to and Enid has just like has a system of like immediately shutting it down by being a weirdo right and i really liked that about this movie that's true um and i and i i I always liked that about this movie um just seemed like i mean it's funny because it's definitely written by a dude so it was like (laughs) just like taking those like little like tips as a kid (laughs) like whoa interesting tips um i liked uh nunchuck guy (laughs) nunchuck guy is cool who is that is that guy from something i I looked him up on imdb and like his picture is from that era it's i think he was in like one other thing i feel like that guy specifically he's great in this but i feel like he's a prototype for basically i mean i actually don't know how i feel about napoleon dynamite at this point but i feel like he's the mm. that kind of guy is like in napoleon dynamite and and then like yeah, becomes so like, zany uh, after like all the jared hess other shit like that guy this character i feel like started us down that path culturally of getting like yeah <laughs> I, I was thinking like every every character in reno 911 is this kind of guy oh yeah um, dave sheridan he's also in scary movie oh and he's in bubble boy Oh yeah, he's in all oh, kinds of stuff actually. Bubble Boy. Whoa, he has like twenty movies in post production. He's he's in cor- he's he's in Corky Romano. He's a, he's a genre guy. Working. Yeah, he's big time genre guy. Hey, good for you. Yeah. That's David, Dave Sheridan. David Sheridan. <laughs> <laughs> I remembered. Yeah. There's a, another we all remember. Another movie that I thought I hated and then revisiting it, I loved it so much. 
is uh, Richard Iowati's submarine, which at first you think is like a Wes Anderson. I don't know if either of you have seen it. I've seen it. I saw it when it mm-hmm. came out and I remember being like, it's okay. Yeah. I don't know. I think it has some like something to it that is maybe worth revisiting, but there's a character in that who's exactly like, like whenever there's a guy with a mullet, you're just like, I don't know. This feels like, <laughs> this feels like a commercial for old spice or something. It's too. Yeah. Wacky. But then, but the thing is, you meet those guys. That's true. Those yeah, guys are course. real. The, like that kind of character, you see it in a movie, and you're like, "Shut up, <laughs> fuck you!" And then you meet him in real life, and you're like, "Damn, all right, well, I guess I, I gotta get it. I gotta get out into the world more." <laughs> you know, we actually, I, I, I was telling you guys, I did this like fucking Twitch stream before I came here, and we coined a term that I'm gonna put in here now is, uh, is touch corn. <laughs> touch corn. So you know, like touch grass is yeah, like we yeah. need to get offline more. Touch corn is you need to get away from the coasts a little more. Oh you wow, get into the world a little bit more. Touch corn. You know, mullet guy is a real guy. That's a real type of guy that's out there in the fucking world. I will never touch corn. (laughs) I will not live in the pot. I will not touch the corn. I will not touch the corn. I fucking hate that shit. I lived lived in North Carolina for too long, never touched corn. It's a coast. (laughs) It's It's part of the coast. It's barely a coast. I'm far away from the coast. Wait, you have... I've never never lived in a non-coast state yeah have you no i've only lived here why the fuck would anybody do that (laughs) touch corn no way So you can meet nunchucks guy i guess so you can meet nunchucks guy exactly that guy (laughs) that's that was what made me think it's not la yeah exactly is nunchucks guy is like that's not an la character no no way that's an la character it's not an la character uh steve buscemi is is he doing a pedophile yes He's, Absolutely, she's yes. not eighteen, right? I mean, like she might be eighteen, but it's still pretty fucked up. It's still like, pretty weird, yeah. At the end, when like I really, I was hoping, I was praying, I really was when when that happened because he knew it was coming. When she's like, "Why didn't you ever make a move on me?" I was really hoping he was gonna say, "Cause you're a child, <laughs> yeah, you're right. a teenager." But then he says, "Cause you're a hot young lady, and I didn't think you'd be interested in me." <laughs> Meanwhile, his fucking girlfriend is way hotter. Come on, <laughs> get out of here. <laughs> Steve Buscemi is really cute in this. He's movie. adorable. He is very cute in this. I movie. feel like wow. the. I feel like being a guy who wears like tweed and is old and then dates an 18 year old was like totally perfectly acceptable in indie stuff until like <laughs> 2010 for some reason. Yes. I, I'm not saying it's mm-hmm. a good thing. I'm just saying as Woody, Ca- Allen. Woody Allen. Woody Allen. <laughs> yeah. He, he's a pioneer. Uh, Ezra, <laughs> Ezra pioneer. Koenig dating Tavi was a big one. And the tweed with mm-hmm. teens uh, trope, I think as well. Yeah. So it's kind of like, mm-hmm. it's weird. These things were just so normalized until like very recently people are like, that's kind of fucked up. Yeah. Yeah, there's no like inspection of it in the movie. There's no like there, there there's no moment where somebody's like, "Hey, by the way, that's a teenager, Steve Buscemi." Like, <laughs> it, it, it's it's treated that. as a perfectly normal thing. Yeah. That happens. Uh, well, it's, it's just it's, normal it's, shit. It's, it's not exactly normal, but it, it it does feel like it makes sense, and it wants you to be like, "Oh, well, at least that happened for them." Like, I, and it's sort of like, "Whoa." I don't know if no, that should have no, happened. I, I really don't think there's anything tonally in the movie that leads me to believe that the that the film is treating that like it's a bad thing. That's what, yeah. That's what I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not it's not a bad thing. It's like it it feels like it's it feels like it wants you to want it to happen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then that's like the one thing it gives you. And yeah, it's will like, they, won't they, between this child and this man who looks 50. like a chihuahua. <laughs> <laughs> a 50-year-old man. I mean, how old is he supposed to be? I mean, it doesn't matter. But, I mean, like, 
It's uh. He's supposed to be pretty old. I mean, he's a fucking fuss, like a fusty old record collector. Yeah, likes yeah. The blues and shit. <laughs> I wonder. <laughs> Sorry, rag I wonder time. how old he actually was when they filmed it. Probably pretty young, actually. He's not that old. His. Um... He was also eighteen at the time. <laughs> <laughs> this is what he looked like. He came out of the womb looking that he's old. Always looked like that. Yeah. I mean, his his performance in this is really interesting. Watching it now, mm-hmm. like I, when I watched it as a teenager, he just seemed sort of like inscrutable and like this just very strange guy. And now I'm like, oh, I know that guy. I like that guy. Yeah, like, yeah that yeah. guy's my friend. I care about that person. Mm-hmm. Like immediately. Like as soon as you see him. Like at the yard sale, and he's like, "Well, I've got all these records," and like, "Oh yeah, that one's uh, this. I've got this one on '78 or whatever." He's just like so instantly relatable, mm-hmm. or like at least you know him, and he's your friend, yeah. like kind of person. Even because he doesn't seem he doesn't register to me as like a sixty. 50, he's an old man. He's right. like a middle aged guy who has aged weirdly. I I feel like also like the people I know who were a little bit too into like different variants of punk records when we were teenagers all turned into this exact guy when they became like 24. Mm. Like all of a sudden their yes. entire apartment is full of like the Mississippi records or Trop- Tropicalia or whatever. Like just like whatever. Yeah, yeah, like exotica, Exactly. Whatever. Yeah. All that kind of stuff like tiki mugs and stuff. And then. Dude, <laughs> all I've been listening to for the past week, I'm not kidding, I've, is uh, like Thailand Malon music. Oh yeah. Hell yeah. It's dude. incredible. I love it. This guy who I know on Twitter like got me into it and just like, I can't, it's so good. But yeah, I de- every time I put it on, I'm feeling like I'm old. <laughs> like this is an old person thing to do. Mm-hmm. Like this is a 35 year thing. It's just like, not, not ironically, not because I think it's cool. Just like, this is interesting in ways that I haven't ever heard. And I'm enjoying it earnestly emotionally um it's cool but i would not have done that when i was in my 20s yeah (laughs) (laughs) um yeah he's only 65 now steve buscemi so then when this came out still too old still still quite a bit too 21 years ago no i'm not saying he's in his 40s i'm not trying to he's in his early 40s in this movie so weird um, it's it's too old to be too a old for a teenager. <laughs> That's for damn sure. Yeah, because she's probably yeah. But Stevie, I, <laughs> we know each other. We yeah, call each I, other. It's, it's, it's a problematic age gap thing that I yeah. don't think would happen nowadays. Like it's I, a problematic age gap. You're absolutely right. <laughs> I don't think it would happen if they made the movie now. No, um, they would have taken it out. Uh, Josiah, do you remember if that's in the mo- it's, if that's in the comic book? I don't remember actually. I should have revisited that. I feel like the comic book is way more kind of loose knit and just it's way more. And actually, I feel like the first half of the movie feels like that too. It just feels like it's a bunch of unconnected scenes inside of yeah, ghost, because some of it, the ghost world. A lot of it was published in Ape Ball. Right? Yeah, I, I, I from what I understand, I think. Eight Ball was where most of the uh, Daniel Cloud stuff was published. And then I just bought like the anthology. So maybe there's more to the story that I didn't see, but I think I read it all. But it's definitely very fragmented. Um, and the rest of Eight Ball is like a lot of super angsty, like teen vibe things where it's like a guy walking yeah. around downtown being like, look at these fucking normies. I wish I could just mow them down. These fucking suits or whatever, which Jesus is also Christ. like, it's. <laughs> 
And he's the same guy who did um, Art School Confidential. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's hilarious. And, and that like, also is a strip in there, which is even more vague and only appears, I think, once or twice. And there's nothing to it. So I think once mm. Ghost World was eventually successful, they're probably like, all right, let's do this again. Did he um, Did he screenwrite the Art School Confidential movie, too? That I'm not sure. Uh, yes. Because uh, that's uh, that was something funny. Once you mentioned that, I was like, oh, my God, I can totally see the connection with the art parts where, like, the art class, I, I love this guy's fucking insane resentment of conceptual art. <laughs> I don't understand him because he's not even like, it's not even like he's like a super representational, like super like detailed guy who does like, like his art is like also stylized. It's also kind of a little wacky and, and illustrator. Like he takes some fucking liberties. I don't know why he can't like, he can't accept the idea of conceptual art, but both of these movies have something where it's just like, the audience is meant to roll their eyes at the idea of like art that isn't directly representing. <laughs> uh, I don't think that Daniel Klaus thinks that. I think that's just how it is in the movie. He put it in both movies. Mm-hmm. I mean, and it's a it's a big part of art school. It's hard to know too. Remember. Like he hates Picasso. It's hard to know how much of the comic too is like either he's being way too honest and connected with his deepest, darkest thoughts, or he's like putting on a character of being such a prick mm. with his comics too. But definitely right. he seems like, like scarily antisocial when you read his <laughs> comics from the nineties. Yeah. I th- so I think Terry Zweigoff wrote the, the movie screenplay. Um, and I think Dan- uh, Daniel Klaus helped, but mm. as far as I can remember, and just from like a cursory glance at the Wikipedia I don't think Seymour's in the book. Like, I think the whole mm-hmm. concept of him being like a romantic interest is like a new is like a invented was, for the movie. Yeah, I thought he was like a small character. I thought they might have done the blind, like the fake, like in the fake uh, blind date thing. I thought might have been in there, but might not be. The Satanists yeah. are I in think, there for sure. Yes, for sure. I yeah. remember that. As I understand it, he is a small character who they then kind of like, like sussed out into this big plot piece to like turn it into a movie. Yeah. I think so. And I think that that's, you have to wonder if Zweigoff, who famously signed the petition to forgive Polanski, sure uh, had something to do with uh, being like, and then the uh, the cool jazz guy, who clearly <laughs> is not based on me, who just got off of making yeah. the documentary about Robert Crumb. Just a cool, uh, cool old guy who loves jazz records, gets his dick sucked by this, <laughs> by this young lady. By this 18-year-old girl. <laughs> Maybe eighteen. Uh, <laughs> Maybe we, we don't know. And you we're can actually... be seventeen and graduate too. It's not against the rules. <laughs> I did. Uh, but yeah, it's uh, that's I think a, the biggest negative of the movie is yeah. that it's sort of this weird, pretty clearly like fantasy like fulfillment of Terry's Wygoth to put in like Seymour scoring with with Thor Birch and she's like, yeah, I really wanted that. Um, yeah. And it doesn't, it doesn't, it's not weird and it like doesn't ruin their relationship really. No, but it, um, it ruins his life, but it also doesn't seem like they care that much. Like that's a weird thing too, is that it like, you're right. The ending just feels like it's very rushed at the, like, it, 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 you know, he fucks her and then like he loses his, his relationship. That's like the only good thing in his life seemingly. And then he also loses his job. And then that doesn't really come up again. Well, it doesn't actually say that he loses his job. It's I sort guess of implied, right, yeah. but he gets in trouble for the uh, the, the the painting giving away going the racist up. painting. Yeah. Um, which isn't in, yeah. I, I, we did like you were saying, Josiah. I think that part is really interesting. That it's like kind of commenting on like because 
I really liked that part because Buscemi has this like this he's like she's like do you think things were better back then even though we had stuff like this and she like wasn't aware of like obvious outward racism it's like right. one of those things you really have to learn as a kid mm -hmm. that like the clan just happened and like <laughs> you just missed it and like she's fascinated by that and she's like do you think things are better and he's like no but i mean people were honest it's just hidden now right um, right, right. and I, and that's fascinating to her and then she like tries to do his speech or whatever about that like she just like tries to make it into something and she can't because she doesn't really understand what he meant right i really but, like but then but then to take it a layer further it's like it's at the art show which is run by white people and she's a white person but then there's clearly like black people who are upset by this art being in there and that's like yeah. a, another sort of i don't know if that's intentional or not but it's just another layer to this thing of like it's all happening from a place of privilege. It feels like this conversation that's maybe not even right. entirely her conversation to have. Yeah. Cause she's just like figuring things out and doesn't, doesn't understand like the nuances or at all. And, uh, and really it just seems like she just was like looking to get out of art class. Yeah, right. It just bit, seemed yeah. like she was just kind of like, she was trying to copy there, the, like, yeah, it's about the race. tampon in the teacup. She was like, just kind of like, yeah, oh, yeah that exactly. Easy. Just put something. It's also hilarious to like have your found art, like your found your found object art just be a painting <laughs> <laughs> is so funny that's uh, very good actually i really uh, wish that they had like pushed that a little further that's such a funny idea <laughs> yeah i found this i found this it's painting found and now art. it's my painting <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh and, that, and that's another thing about all of these movies in general is that you know they're never about a black kid who's alienated and doesn't want to work at a, right at a at a retail store so he you know, sells drugs or does a lot of the things. Lots of people who are even more impoverished uh, than these kids do. Um, but and I think that's why people are people who are actually living in poverty and people who are you know have like uh, victims of racial oppression, like end up kind of knowing this more. Like they don't need to be like, why am I so mad and alone all the time? Right. It's like pretty obvious because of cops and because of like the way society is structured. Um, but I don't know. It's, it's still really interesting to see people sort of swinging at this ghost, you know, this sort yeah. of odd thing that's going on that they can't really put their fingers on in a ghost, in a ghost world, world <laughs> perhaps. <laughs> so anyway, I recommend the movie. I yeah, think it's I definitely great. recommend the movie. I think it's great. I think it has flaws, obviously. It's, yeah. The acting in places is a little stilted uh, in a bad way. Mm -hmm. uh, it feels like maybe Thora, uh, Thora Birch and Scarlett Johansson were both sort of like learning acting on the movie. I thought Scarlett Johansson was perfect. I thought she She's was really She's good, fantastic. but I feel like there's certain line reads that I'm just like... <laughs> I think that that's I think that's who she's supposed I, to be. I at though. least feel I mean, like that that, that, that she... stiltedness is like proto Aubrey Plaza as well. It's like that that became proto Daria. Yeah, that became like a whole genre of acting. I think Daria was out. You think Daria was out already? I think Daria is like late 90s. Also maybe I okay. mean cause, really? interesting. Cuz Daria is uh Daria was in Beavis and Butthead and then she got the show in I think 90 mm. Let's see if I can find it before before the silence gets too long. 1997. Okay, never yeah. mind then. This is this is post Daria. Post Daria. It definitely feels she. It's definitely inspired for sure. Daria's great. Daria is. We should great. talk about Daria one day. Um, 
but uh, yeah, I, 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 some of their acting was a little rough in places for mm-hmm. me, but like you can almost be like, it's supposed to be that way. Yeah. Um, otherwise the movie looks beautiful. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, not boring. It's funny. It's sad. I think the, 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 the biggest problem is some of like the, is is the it's fact the that pedophilia? They, it's the pedophilia. <laughs> the pedophilia is a problem for me. Yeah, I'm not a big fan of that part. Uh, Personally, is a bit of a bit of a hard stance. That's I'm my favorite. Part. I'm not a, <laughs> I don't know why he's not a big <laughs> pedophilia personally. <laughs> anyway, I recommend it. I recommend it. What do you yeah, think? Yeah, I think I recommend. I or think not? it's like it's so nuanced that other than the pedophilia part, almost every single thing mm-hmm. you could be like, well, this was on purpose. It feels like a possibly it's all just an accident that worked out so perfectly. But yeah, I, I recommend mm. it for sure. And also even watching it multiple times has paid off. So yeah. Yeah. I, I kind of feel that way about this whole series is that like when it's, when it does really pay off, it's almost like an accident Like yeah. where you're not really sure how, how in, how tipped off they are about what they're talking about right um but this one very much so where it's like maybe you're just trying to make a movie about a sad girl and then hit on some other things Mm -hmm. on the way that ended up being really poignant um but i think it's good all right well that's the movie thank you so much josiah for coming on the show thank you for having me would you like to plug uh i mean well you know my uh, reluctance towards uh, Gen X is also happening on 155 right now. We're doing a month. I don't know how to pronounce the month, but we've combined the words Fugazi and August. Uh, it's visually, it's a great, uh, it's like Fugazi. Yeah, it's hard to say. Yeah, we're doing Fugazi all month, and it's very interesting because I think it's a real love him or hate him kind of band and i feel both ways about him so i'm i'm having fun yeah. so far well, who hates fugazi I, mean, peop- I i find them kind of boring sometimes i think people what? who are like um, pop punk also or like pretty much any punk that is either melodic or straightforward a lot of people find them too pretentious or like wet blankets uh mm. but i love those things in people being a pretentious wet yeah. blanket yeah. so just hey, you're gonna Me love too. this on a on a uh, <laughs> live comedy show i used to do we did a uh we did a game called Benghazi and it was a best of five are these song titles by Ben Folds or Fugazi <laughs> that rules it's really hard <laughs> it's a hard game <laughs> <laughs> yeah no I really like them I have nothing bad to say about them uh, good band uh, so I'll listen to yeah, 155 it's, how do you it's just called, it's just 155. called 155 yeah, yeah. so if, for those who don't know we talked about every single Blink 182 song uh, that was kind of the start of the show and that it started with first 155 there was 155 songs but then they released an album during the show Mm. so it kept getting expanded and extended uh so oh you covered the yeah we talked about all of it uh with painstaking detail and then we ran out of songs (laughs) and so we just kind of been trying out different kinds of punk songs every week whether it's avril lavigne or discharge we'll talk about uh, a different punk song every (laughs) week so yeah we're doing fugazi right now last month we did mxpx which uh Brain guys, well, it was good Hell versus yeah. evil. We did MXPX versus Alkaline Trio. Um, <laughs> Wait, which one's good and which one's well, evil? It's pretty clear. <laughs> one of them, let me, one of them, their logo is a skull. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and one of them, it's oh, a smiley okay. boy. It's a cute yeah, guy. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. You know what's funny too is, um, uh, 
my my friend Katie and I we we had a Dragon Ball Z podcast together, and we were thinking about starting a side podcast that we were going to call Overthink One Eighty Two. And the week that we came up with that idea, we pitched it to somebody, and they were like, "You know, there's another <laughs> podcast that does that," and they like just started, and it was when you guys oh, just shit. started. <laughs> well, you know, we, that, once we started going every single week for a while, we'd find a different Blink One Eighty Two podcast. Uh, no, but our idea was literally song, the same oh, idea, yeah, yeah. which was one episode, one <laughs> yeah. song. <laughs> You're like, we'll get at least a couple hundred, right? That's so good. Oh, man. Well, you, I mean, there's yeah. no one doing it's it now. It's a good show. So you could do it. Yeah, there's no one doing it now. You we could, could do totally it do it now. Do it over. Yeah, exactly. I would love to work with Katie again. <laughs> uh, well, anyway, so listen to 155 and... Uh, Follow Josiah on Twitter. What is your this Twitter? This is my name, Josiah Hughes. Really Josiah terrible. Hughes. The things I tweet on there should not be associated with my real name. It's not a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what mine isn't. I'm uh, going to go follow you now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, so go do that. And you can also go to patreon.com slash generation loss and give us $5. You can. And you will get a bonus episode every week which is uh, where we are currently ranking every movie we've ever reviewed or talked about. Uh, well, specifically reviewed. Um, it's a fun time. Sometimes we do the movie news. Sometimes we have guests on there. Sometimes we do theme episodes. It's a good time. You get Discord uh, access where you can hang out with us there. And we watch the movie that we're going to talk about on Monday. Other than that, you can follow us on Twitter at GenLostPod and follow us individually from there. And we'll see you next time. That's movies. That's movies. पहचान हो जीना आसान हो जान पहचान हो जीना आसान हो दिल को चुराने वालों आंख न चुराओ नाम तो बताओ जान पहचान हो जीना आसान हो जान पहचान हो जीना आसान हो दिल को चुराने वालों आंख न चुराओ नाम तो बताओ जान पहचान हो जीना आसान हो